So, it's the day after Christmas, and uh, I kind of almost feel like a Catholic church. You know, they just, the, around the holidays, they just have like a million different services. Like, we just had a service two nights ago, and here we are back again. So, um, yeah, Christmas was yesterday. Did you get anything fun for Christmas? Yeah? You know, life is not exactly fair, is it? Uh, some people get a lot of things for Christmas, some people don't. Some kids get a lot of gifts under the tree, and some kids don't. Um, but if we look at our lives carefully, I think that we can find that we receive gifts and they're not always material things. Um, I wonder, what is the best thing you got for Christmas this year? Food. Food, there you go. You fit right into this church, brother. Well, I'm going to show you the best thing that I got for Christmas this year. It's this right here. You say, oh, is that a packet of money? No, it's a letter. This is a letter that somebody dropped off at the church. And it's somebody that I hadn't seen in a while. And in fact, I didn't see them drop the letter off. People gave me a description and I was like, who could that be? And when I initially opened the letter and started trying to read it, I missed the last page. The last two pages were stuck together. So I couldn't figure out who it was. I was like, this person wrote this really long letter. And it's handwritten. It's like five or six pages. And they wrote this really long letter, took the time to write it, and it, oh, but then it, it confirmed who it was when I finally got to the last page. But I knew who it was by the time I hit about the third or fourth sentence. Um, but this is someone who uh, used to attend our church years ago, uh, shortly after we moved into this building, as a matter of fact. And I didn't realize how significant uh, he considered our church to be in his life. Uh, and how much he had actually been paying attention to me when he first started coming to our church. And I'm not gonna tell his whole story, but he did give me permission to share, so I could share the whole thing if I wanted to. But I would wanna wait until perhaps he's here and uh, maybe he could uh, uh, you know, share some of his own testimony, right? But um, when he first started coming to our church, he was attending with his family and he was not a believer. But in the letter, he indicates very clearly that this church was very welcoming to him regardless. That he felt like he was a part of this community, even though he was very open about the fact that he wasn't a believer, just didn't believe in God, much less Jesus. But uh, he's very complimentary and uh, he goes into a lot of detail. He had some, uh, some pretty significant struggles some years ago. In fact, uh, I had to go visit him in the hospital. Well, I didn't have to, but I did. He hadn't been to our church in forever, but I had heard what took place and I went to the hospital. And really, he credits us with saving his life. So this is you all, especially those of you that have been coming for a while. You may not think that just coming to church does much, but you know, we do this time of welcome and we missed having that during the pandemic because everybody's scared to get close to somebody else and scared to shake hands and all these other things. But you know, although I got to reel you in with the welcome and whatever, you reaching out to people that are visiting here is very, very important because you never know where someone is. You never know what they're going through. And you know, a gift that you can give someone that you might not even think is a gift is a smile. Yeah. Recognize that they exist there's just a real tendency for us to, you know, we focus on our phones, we focus on ourselves, and we don't look up and we don't look out. And so uh, I wanna thank Lifewell Church for being welcoming to this man, and I will tell you, this is the best gift I got this year. Um, 
So, you know, uh, maybe you got some expensive gifts, maybe you didn't get expensive gifts, but that's really not what matters, is it? No, it's the heart that's behind it. And when somebody sits down and in their own hand writes about six pages worth of text, then I know that it was meaningful to them. They didn't just shoot off a quick email and say, here, you know, or a fast text or whatever. I mean, this, this fellow thought through this, and he's a good writer too, by the way. Um, so we all have gifts, um, material gifts, and we have gifts that are given to us that are perhaps we would call talents, or skills that we develop and so forth. Um, you have gifts. The question is, how do you discover them? Well, uh, in our Wednesday night Bible study in the coming days, we're gonna be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14, and that talks about spiritual gifts. But if you think about it, let's just, let's just use Christmas as our primary illustration, even for intangible gifts, right? We think of Christmas, we really often think of material gifts or food, which is material as well. Um, or gathering together with friends and family. But see, even that's not the same for everybody. You know, I bet if we had a show of hands, a bunch of you spent time with friends and family, and I bet some of you didn't. I was talking to someone over at Intrinsic the other day. Uh, it wasn't Nicholas who comes here. It was someone else that I talked to on occasion over there. And I said, hey, man, what are you doing for Christmas? He's like, yeah, nothing. Just going to stay at home. That's the way it is for some of us, Right. So life is just not fair. It's not the same for everybody. You know, you may have just, you know, Christmas is chaos for you. It's like, you know, uh, home alone, right? That family. I watched that last night for the first time in like 20 years. Crazy, right? Um, really dangerous, some of the things that boy did. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think in the wake of home alone, there were some, you know, some people that got serious, like, hey, kids, don't drop an iron on anybody's face, right? Don't burn somebody's head with a blowtorch. This is, you know, no. So it's crazy, you know, some of the things. But that was a crazy, chaotic family, so much so that the little boy was like, I don't want my family anymore. But then, you know, of course, by the end, he does want them back. Um, but we have these gifts that are tangible and gifts that are intangible. And uh, the intangibles will go into, but the intangibles are the gifts that I don't unwrap and that I can't put in my hands, right? Um, they're they're the, the, the gifts of friendship, let's say, right? Uh, certainly the friend is tangible, they're out there, but that relationship is not. You know, you don't have, hey, here's my friendship in a box type of a thing. So there are intangible gifts that are very important. So let's look at Christmas as, as, a, as an illustration for this, right? Um, you have gifts, so the, the number one thing you have to do is you have to discover your gifts, right? So I know that in some families, they don't put tags on the, on the presents around the tree. So you don't know whose gifts is whose, right? So mom or dad have to pass those out. You have to discover those gifts. And if you were a wicked child like me, you tried to discover your Christmas gifts before Christmas by going all through the house and looking where mom might hide them, right? And by the way, that just kind of ruins Christmas. As I can remember the year that I found the trove, I found where she hid all the gifts. And I went in there and I actually played with some of the stuff. No joke like carefully take the tape off the box and you know take it out and then put it back in. But it was such a letdown on Christmas morning. It was like, I already know all this stuff, 
right? I already have it. But the reality is the first thing you've got to do is discover your gifts. Imagine a family. I, I think that this would be a fun thing to do. Maybe you'll just take this over as, as a Christmas tradition test some year. Hide the gifts all around your house and make your kids go and find it. I know that for Passover, um, there is a tradition where there's a, little, uh, there's a little piece of bread that is hidden in a fold of a napkin, and then that is hidden somewhere in the house, and then the children have to run around the house and look for it. I believe it's called the afikulman. Right, and it's fun. It's something fun for them to do. But so, uh, and the kid, the child that that finds it, brings it back to the the you know the the dad that is the the responsible person for the Passover that year, and and they get a gift of some money. But just imagine that, where the gifts are hidden all over the house, and the children are just running everywhere, tearing your house up even more than it already is, and finding those gifts, and then bringing. That's kind of what you have to do with your life. You have to discover your gifts, and you don't always know what they are, right? Now, in a moment, we'll talk about the facts that some gifts are more obvious to us and some gifts are less obvious to us. But let's just take one that is an obvious gift, and that is the gift of singing, right? We have these amazing, talented uh, women who sing up here for us on Sunday morning. And Tia joins them sometimes, but she's an amazingly talented singer as well. They're using a gift that they have. But I wonder, uh, you know, here's off the cuff and, and calling you, you know, on the carpet. Um, <laughs> Rachel, when did you discover that you had the ability to sing? How old were you? Uh, young. Or young? Know, little, did you just kind of always know it, or did you just like, hey, no, I could? People said, yeah, you sing well, and you're like, oh, oh, I can. That happened to you? Yeah, uh, yeah sure. Okay. <laughs> middle, middle school. Middle school. Okay, there you go. Um, there was a, a young lady that was in my youth group, not the youth group that. Craig and Rachel were in, but another youth group, the first youth group that I was the official youth minister of, First Baptist Church of the Colony. And there was a young lady in our youth group who had never sung in front of anybody before. But we used to have uh, what we called Youth Sunday. And on Youth Sunday, the youth did everything. Uh, I was the youth minister, so I got to preach. But youth sang, youth were the ushers, youth did all, everything all over the church. A lot of churches do this. And so, I don't know why I knew that this young lady could sing, but I just, I thought, you know, she, I think she can sing. And so I told her that I wanted her to do the solo. And she was absolutely terrified. But she got up there and she did it, and my word, she had a beautiful voice. Well, later she ended up uh, actually doing music and recording a CD and all these sorts of things. But sometimes it takes someone to just push you a little bit so that you can discover that that gift exists. Now, again, singing is just one gift and it's one that's obvious to us. But the second uh, thing that's necessary is you need to receive that gift. So what if in my uh, idea of hiding the gifts all over the house, children are running all over and you have a child that's just kind of like depressed that year or mad, right? And she or he, looks and there's a gift with their name on it and they just no i don't have anything to do with it i'm not gonna i'm not opening that now your kids never do this do they they're never like that they're always grateful aren't they they always receive everything that you give they always say thank you right not necessarily right children are emotional and they are afflicted with the same disease that we all have it's called original sin and we're very proud and there are times when that shows okay 
But you have to receive a gift. If you have been given a gift, you have to receive it. And let's go back to singing again. If the young lady that I had asked to sing would have refused to believe that she was capable, she would not have received that gift, right? So let's just park it there. You need to discover your gift and you need to receive your gift. So um, if you were to make a catalog of gifts that you have, what would they be? Well, I can look back here and I see Brittany. Brittany, one of her gifts is the ability to cook. Now, you may think, well, that's more of a skill, right? You develop that. No, I'm telling you, there are some people that can't cook no matter how long they do it. Just can't do it, right? Uh, gardening, you know, that's another thing. Some people can just grow these beautiful flowers and some people, no, they just, you show them and you tell them and it just doesn't happen, right? I can tell you working tech up here in the booth, I've got two wonderful young ladies that have been working tech for me. Felix helped us for quite some time before I went away to the army. And by the way, he's gonna go away again for another 11 weeks and learn how to shoot people or something. I don't know what it is that he's, he's gonna learn. But Felix did it up there forever. But I'm here to tell you, Felix, you did a good job when you were up there. These two girls that are up there do a better job than anybody has ever done. Like they really do. Have you noticed that the lyrics on the songs are just on now? You're like, wow, it's coming up and I'm actually singing the words. It's not coming up before for eight hours or way after, or you're on the wrong lyric. That's what happens when I run it, okay? So I have an ability, I have an ability to lead, but that doesn't mean that I can do everything as well as other people can do those things, right? These are all gifts, but believe it or not, the ability to pay attention and do things like tech, that's a gift. So sitting up there, now I don't know about Erica because I've never seen her on stage, but sitting up there doing this with Erica is Autumn. Autumn is an amazing actress, that's a gift. I mean, if you've ever seen her up here on stage do something for us, you know, I've seen her in full plays that she's done at uh, North Garland before she graduated. Phenomenal. But here's somebody that's humble enough to sit up there and work tech, right? No, no, I've got to be on stage, Pastor. I'm sorry. <laughs> that would be somebody that didn't receive, right? So, you know, we're, some gifts involve a lot of hard work. Acting means you've got to Go to rehearsals and you've got to memorize lines. Cooking means, you know, you've got to go through trial and error and then you've got to clean up and all of this other stuff. Brittany brought me this wonderful uh, meal on Christmas Eve uh, in the afternoon and I actually ate it yesterday. My mouth is watering right now. As a matter of fact, it was so good. Um, but yeah, these are, all, these are all gifts. Now, by and large, what I've been uh, talking about are intangible gifts that are more natural gifts that, um, that you don't have to have the Holy Spirit in order to receive or to exercise. Um, and other gifts like that are just really your life. You, you realize your life is a gift, right? You may say, well, I can't cook, I can't garden, I can't sing, I'm not a leader. But you're alive, aren't you? Your health is a gift. Trust me, when you get sick, you'll realize how much of a gift health is. And when people get older, and their health is failing, they realize how much of a gift health is. Your health, your life, these are gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are less obvious, or at least not always called uh, spiritual gifts. So leadership can be a natural gift, but it's also a spiritual gift. It's one of the spiritual gifts. Um, patience, gentleness, kindness, 
These are actually spiritual gifts. They're called fruits of the Spirit, or they are part of the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but um, these are gifts that come to us when we receive the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes it's not just a matter of receiving an individual gift, it's a matter of receiving the giver of gifts. So Pastor Craig did a, a masterful job on Christmas Eve uh, of delivering the message and then opened up the opportunity for you to receive Christ and to pray and allow him to come into your life. That's where it starts. You ask Jesus to be your savior. You affirm that he is Lord and you open your heart and you allow his spirit to come in. When his spirit comes in, his spirit gives you gifts. Now, let's go back to the first two. Then you still need to discover them and you need to receive them. And a big part of your Christian walk and your Christian life is that process of discovering your spiritual gifts and then exercising those gifts, right? Now, um, there can be a temptation, especially once we've been using our gifts for a while, uh, to somehow be convinced that we deserve these gifts. Now, many gifts have to be developed, all right? Uh, once again, just think of virtually anything you would do. Uh, Dean is gifted at playing the guitar, but Dean would not be playing the guitar for us on a weekly basis if he hadn't spent a lot of time practicing, right? Um, so I was watching, I was really, I'll just be honest with you, I was just really lazy yesterday. I didn't do anything. Now, you do see the Christmas decorations are pretty much still up, right? Yeah, I didn't take them down. Um, I took a few things down just so it would look a little different. Did you notice? No, you didn't. Okay. I should have just left it all up. The point is, uh, I could have just taken them all down, you know, but I was just kind of lazy yesterday. And so I just watched a lot of YouTube, right? Now, for those of you, if you watch bad things on YouTube, then shame on you, all right? But I just watch goofy, stupid stuff uh, like uh, Dude Perfect. Have you ever watched those guys? Yeah. They just do crazy stuff, all these fun stunts. Well, I discovered, I think because I watched Dude Perfect, it recommended this uh, other group of people. I guess it's just two kids. Uh, and theirs is called That's Awesome. And it's these two boys. And I think they started when they were about in middle school. But they, they just do these crazy tricks. And then they taught their younger brother to do them. So uh, I was talking last night uh, at a Christmas gathering that I was privileged to be at, and I got some of our, our kids there to do bottle flips. Have you seen kids do these bottle flips? They're addicted to bottle. I think that that got popularized by this kid, right? Uh, anyway, but they start off and they, they flip this bottle, and, and if, you, if you do it right, and I'll, just, I'll tell you the secret. The secret is you need to put about that much water in the bottle. Don't try to bottle flip a full bottle. It's gonna be ridiculously hard and it's not gonna work. You have about that much water in the bottle. And then the bottle flip is the flip of the wrist, right? So you can flip it and make it land on its bottom pretty easily. Then you gotta practice to flip it and make it land on the cap, all right? So both Jubilee and Asher were able to do that last night. They both flipped it over. But I'm watching these kids on That's Amazing. And this kid flipped one over, and then he flipped the other one over, and it, they landed cap to cap. That's crazy. Are you kidding me right now? And then he does this other thing where he takes dice, and they're just laying all over on the table, and he takes a dice shaker. You ever play Yahtzee? Yep. Yeah? Okay. 
You take the dice and you put them in there. And da, 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 okay, Yahtzee, woo! Okay, takes dice, lays them all over, and then he does this with the cup, and then he goes, and they're all stacked. Like, dude, that's cool. So he does that. He does the bottle flip, right? And then he takes the dice and he stacks them up on the lid of this bottle. And then he takes the other bottle and flips it and it comes on the top of the dice. He's like, oh, that kid just must be naturally gifted. No, see, I've, I've, I watched enough of those videos to see that they miss a lot of times, but they just keep practicing and practicing and practicing. They work this and work this and work this. We're talking like there's one trick that the kid did uh, he called it the Robin Hood dart, right? So he throws one dart and it lands in the bullseye. And then what he wanted to do is he wanted to throw the other dart and make it stab that dart right, uh, you know, at the tip of the, uh, of the feathers there. So apparently it took him like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours doing that. Like he sat in a room I'm sure he, you know, ate and did his other stuff, but he sat in a room for like a week solid and just threw, the, threw it and 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 threw it until he finally did it. And that one fleeting moment where he did it, you know, he videotaped it and put it online. These guys have millions of views, right? It's crazy. So what I'm saying is some gifts require a lot of practice. Does that make sense? It's even a gift to be able to pay attention for a long period of time, to be able to focus, to self-control is a gift. Did you know that? It is. It's a gift. Discipline is a gift. And self-discipline is something you have to do. So, you know, I've had these kids in karate for coming up on four years now. And I'm sure that, that there are things that we're doing in karate that they are long past being bored of. But in karate, there is a, there's a concept, and I can't remember the Japanese word, but it means no mind. You need to practice doing what we teach them to do until you don't have to think about it. You just do it. You just react. Because if you have to think about it, then you're not going to be able to defend yourself. It has to be instinctive. And the only way to get it down into that part of your brain that's very primitive that stores this kind of stuff is to practice ridiculous amounts of time. Now, anybody that's ever done a skill sport, baseball is a good example, all right? Practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. Basketball is an example. Practice and practice and practice. And you can tell people that maybe they have like sort of a natural ability, natural athletic ability, and I, like I'll watch their shot mechanics and their shot mechanics are terrible. Like the ball is just going flat toward the rim, but they're so athletic their, their hand-eye coordination is so good that they make a lot of baskets. But see, if their shot mechanics were better, then they would be making even more baskets. They could be like phenomenal, phenomenal. The point is you may have a gift, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to exercise and practice, right? So whatever your gifts are, that doesn't just mean that you just sit back on your blessed assurance and do nothing about it. You need to use those gifts. Now you'll see how this, this enters in to the spiritual realm in just a moment. But there's a tendency, I think, to get to the point where we believe, well, you know, we earned that. We deserve that. But the reality is you don't even deserve your life. Right? What does the scripture say? Every, you said, oh, good, he's finally going to quote a verse. Gosh, I thought you were just doing a motivational speech, Pastor. Uh, James 1.17. James says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shifting shadow. 
every good and perfect gift. So you can lay it all out there, anything that you would think, that you would assume, some things that you might not even consider a gift. Maybe you didn't think of your life as being a gift. I think Job got to the place in his life where he was enduring so much pain and suffering and loss that he just said, I wish I had never been born. Jonah at one point said, I wish I had never been born. In fact, George Bailey said, I wish I had never been born. Do you remember that? I know that's a movie, but it's a wonderful life. Come on, you guys know it's a wonderful life, don't you? I should see more nods than this. Right? George Bailey said, you know, I wish I had never been born. And Clarence said, oh, what do you think? You've never been born. And then he saw what his life would be like if he'd not been there. Maybe you've come to feel that way. Maybe you just think, you know what? It just doesn't seem to mean anything. I don't think anybody appreciates me. What if I had never been born? You need to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And you need to realize that your life is a gift. Amen. We get to the point where we're just enduring so much pain and we're having so many difficulties that we just wanna turn the switch off and check out. That's not the answer, right? It's really not the answer. Your life is a gift. And even if you don't feel like you're here for a purpose, even if you think that you were an accident. Maybe that was something that somebody convinced you of, right? Maybe you didn't have the best parents in the world, I don't know, or caregivers. And maybe they just told you, you know, we didn't plan you. You were just an accident. And maybe you've just, you've accepted that over you to say, well, you don't matter. It doesn't matter if your parents, parents planned you. Jesus did. God, the creator, planned for you to be here. He's got a purpose for you being here. Your life is a gift. Really, it is. And that means at every point in your life. See, when we're younger, we have a tendency to always look to the future and we have so much hope. And some young people don't. Some young people can get depressed and not have hope. But there is a tendency among many, if not most young people, to, um, for much of the time in their lives, to look forward and to just have that sense of hope right? To look to the future and say, I'm going to make something of myself, whatever it may be. That was George Bailey going back to It's a Wonderful Life. You know, he wanted to do all of these things, which what? He never got to do. He never got to do anything he wanted to do. Oh, how I identify with George Bailey. <laughs> but when he was given this ability to see what his life would be, what the world would be like without his life, he realized that even if he had to go to jail, he wanted his life back. Even though, you know, people like Mr. Potter were unfair, he wanted to have his life back because he realized that his life was a gift. Life is a gift, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shifting shadow. Well, the title of this sermon actually comes in the conclusion here, and it is, what will you do with your gifts? What are you doing with your life? Do you have the ability to sing, to cook, to talk to children, that's a gift. I try to talk to children and they look at me like, you're an alien, <laughs> all right? I can smile at them and love on them and, you know, but it, all of those things are, what are you doing with that? So there is a, uh, there's a story that Jesus told, we call it a parable. And I remember uh, early on when I was in church hearing Bible teachers say, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly message. Do you understand that? All right. Now. The parables that Jesus told were about his time period. So sometimes we kind of need to translate them into our time period. But the parable I'm gonna read here in conclusion 
And it's fairly self-explanatory, so I won't say a lot after I read the parable, I'll just conclude with it, but it's called the parable of the talents. Now here's what you need to understand. That's a really, really interesting word to be used considering what I've been talking about, about these intangible gifts. Because one of the things that we talk about when we talk about singing or athletic ability, we call that a talent, don't we? A lot of times. But the word talent here is actually translating a Greek word that means an amount of gold or silver. It was a weight. It would be a word like our word pound, right? And just think about how pound has more than one meaning. Pound is, I have too many pounds or pound is I'm pounding on the table. It's the same thing with this word talent, right? We use the word talent to mean a gift that we may have, right? An ability that we may have, but here it refers to an amount of money. Now, uh, this is the Christian Standard Bible and it's got some notes in it. And this is the first time I've read this because I, I've seen all sorts of assessments of what a talent was, but this says a talent represented 6,000 denarii. And that might not mean anything to you, but a denarius was one day's wage. That means one talent, one talent of, uh, of gold was 6,000 days wages. That's 20 years wages, right? If, if you just go seven day weeks, that's 16.4 years, but it's roughly 20 years wages, right? So with that in mind, one talent, 20 years wages. Listen to this story. For it is, it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, it's a hundred years wages. To another two talents and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received the five talents, notice he didn't wait, immediately, the man who had received the five talents went, put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent, 20 years wages, what did he do with it? He buried it. it. Says he went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached and presented five more talents. Master, you gave me five talents, you have earned five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, master, I, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied, you evil, lazy servant. Did you know laziness is a sin? Hmm. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I return. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Listen to this statement. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him and throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What will you do 
with your gifts. Some people neglect them. They have this or that gift and they just, they just ignore it. They just neglect it. A gift of leadership, uh, some talent, some ability. And they just, you know, rather than exercising that talent and using it to glorify God, they just turn their back on it and go and chase other things. Some people misuse their talents, right? So this has happened on more than one occasion, but I can think of a, of a, a famous singer who was, she grew up in church and that's where she learned to exercise her, her talent, her ability to sing. And then she went into secular music and her voice was so phenomenal and she became so well recognized. And then she married an abusive man who was also in music and then she began to, uh, to abuse drugs, particularly cocaine, and then she died at a young age. How sad. But this is what happens. What happens when you take your talent and you use it to honor the Lord? Well, maybe you're not on some stage where millions of people are shouting your name. Maybe you're just standing in front of a small church on Sunday morning. But you know, it's not this earthly reward that you should be looking for, amen? It's that heavenly reward. It's the master saying, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. That's what you wanna hear. These people that we really basically worship, that we think are so amazing, these athletes and these actors and these musicians that don't glorify God, they're never gonna hear that. If they do make it into heaven, you'll be lucky if you ever see or hear anything from them because they got everything that they needed. They got all the reward down here, but we're looking for a greater reward. So people can neglect their talent and not use it. They can misuse it or they can abuse it or to conclude, this is really the point of the message. You can choose to use your talent to honor the Lord, amen? amen? You can choose to use your gifts to honor the Lord. So you need to discover your gifts, your gifts. You need to receive those gifts. And then you need to use them not for your own benefit, but to bless other people and to honor the Lord, amen? That's what you need to do with your time and with your talent and with your treasure. So that would be a good set of goals for you in the new year. Maybe you're not as healthy as you'd like to be right now, right? We all get to January and we, we, we focus on weight. You know, I weigh this much. No, you just wanna be healthy. You wanna be healthy, you wanna be energetic, you don't wanna have heart problems, right? But what are you going to do when you improve your health? What are you going to do with it, right? Use it to honor the Lord. Use it to bless and to serve other people. And if you are healthy, and if you're young, and you're strong, and you're energetic, but you don't have any money, there's lots of things that the Lord can use you to do. You really, really can. And if you don't know anything, come and talk to me. I'll give you something to do. I really, really will. All right? Can be something small or can be something big, but it's something that can honor the Lord. I love this promise. Um, and this is where I'll conclude. This is uh, from... 2 Corinthians uh, 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So then all, it, that in all things, at all times, having all that, you in, all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did you, there's a lot of alls in there. Did you hear that? God is able to make all grace abound. You know what the word abound means? It means gives you more, give you more than enough, overflow. He's not just gonna give you a little handful. Oh, good, I got some grace. He's gonna keep loading you up and loading you up and loading you up. Whoa, 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 what am I gonna do with all this grace? Am I gonna take advantage of God? Am I gonna abuse it? Am I gonna misuse it? Am I gonna neglect it? 
No, he's making it abound to you. So then in all things, that's all circumstances at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So if the Lord blesses you financially this year, what are you going to do with it? You need to use it to bless the Lord. Use it to honor the Lord. Take care of your family by all means. But see, I think a lot of times we have a very juvenile mindset about money. We get extra money and we want to run out and buy, you know, this or buy that or buy the other thing. Stop, stop, stop. Let's, let's just all think differently than that. Instead of thinking buy, let's think invest. Well, sure, invest, make more money. That, that's great. But what's the purpose there? So that you can be a blessing. Amen? Be a blessing and you will find that the Lord is going to continuously supply you with more than you need because he wants you to continuously be a fountain of blessing to everyone around you. Amen? Amen. So you got these gifts for Christmas for a reason. God's given you gifts for a reason. Use them to honor him. All right.